Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you're turning your Bibles with me uh, this morning, we're going to come around the Word of God just for a short time. In Psalm 139, we're going to be reading from today, Psalm 139. You know, when I was putting this word together and I felt God give me a word to share with you today of what He wants to say uh, into your hearts. And so I want you to be open today to, to hear uh, what God wants to say. Um, I just felt as I was doing this that the Lord was on this. And Alan then sends me all these uh, songs and the lyrics that, uh, that Lisa was going to sing. And I was just so blessed because... I really felt that God was just tying everything together. Isn't it good when God does that? When we rely on our flesh, it's, it's not very good, but I really believe the Spirit of God is here today. Amen? So open your hearts to receive Psalm 139, a famous psalm uh, written by King David. And um, we're going to read it now. Verse 7 we're going to pick up. And it says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Amen. Wow, I love this psalm. It has been something I've, over the years, I've just looked and read this and thought to myself, isn't it amazing how much God loves us? How much he knows you and me in our lives. King David, when he wrote this, when he wrote this psalm, there was something in him that recognized 
that the God that he knew was not just some God of brick and stone. He wasn't a God that was someone that was a shrine, but he was a living God. He was the creator of heaven and earth. He was the creator of all things, including himself. He recognized God was his maker. He knew him on the inside out. I don't know about you, but my wife knows me pretty well. Your friends may know you pretty well. Your best friend may know you pretty well. But God says that he knows everything about you. There is nothing he doesn't know. Amen. Sometimes I'm a little scared by that. Because he knows everything. He knows us from the inside out. Verse 17, King David said this. He said, how precious to me are your thoughts. Talking about God. He said, how vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. You see, the problem is this. We know this sometimes. We read this in the Bible. But often, when life gets tough... When there are challenges in our lives and we live through these challenges, we begin to forget that God knows us. And we say, God has forgotten us. Where is God in my life? I thought he knew every detail about my life. So why isn't he intervening? Why isn't he doing something about this problem? And and, and quite often we give up on God because we think that God has forgotten us. One of the things that Lisa said in her song is that, God never forsakes us. You see, when you feel he's forgotten you, and by the way, we all feel like that sometimes, where is God? Even the world asks that question sometimes. When, when things go wrong, where is God? When there is a hurricane, where is God? You notice all the people come out of the, the woodwork when there are problems saying, where's God? They don't tend to ask that when life is going well. Generally speaking, we, we wonder, where are you? If you're in control, where are you? I used to sing a song when I was at Sunday school. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's sounding good. He has. When David felt challenged, what did he do? He consulted his maker. If you've got a problem with something in your life, whether it be yourself, if you've got a problem with your TV, what do you do? You get the number of the person you purchased it from and you ring them up and say, I can't get my TV working. You call the manufacturer. You see, just a few, last week Emma was away and I was trying to prove that I could do it on my own. It was challenging. If you'd have seen me trying to do the washing, I'd never realized how much washing needs to be done. It was amazing. Thank goodness for a tumble dryer. And uh, partway through the week, the tumble dryer decides to fail on me right when Emma is away. And I thought, why is it? I want to prove that we've done everything. She comes back and the whole house is normal. The washing's done its away. But right in the middle of when she's away, the tumble dryer dies. You see, 
right at that moment, and you've had this moment, when something breaks in your house, the first thing you think is, is it under guarantee? Just this tumble dryer, one thing I was really pleased over is it had a five-year guarantee. Wow. You don't get that these days many places. And so I looked at my details, looked at the documents, and I phoned up the number, and I thought, I know what's wrong. This thing is not working. It needs an engineer. It needs someone who knows how these things are made to come and fix the tumble dryer. And they better do it fast before she comes home. And so I ring up, and I said, I've got a problem. And this young gentleman on the other end of the phone, and I thought, you don't sound like an engineer, but you sound like a robot. And I'm not sure he was in this country. You find that sometimes? You find it takes an hour just to explain the problem. And I was there explaining the problem to the guy about the, the, the tumble dryer. And he said this to me, and I thought he was going to say, listen, we'll get an engineer out to you in 24 hours, sir. His response was this, I want you to do something for me. Can you go down to the tumble dryer, and you'll see a little thing that says smart diagnostics. I want you to put your phone near there. Press a button, and it's going to play a tune. When I hear the tune, I'm going to know what the problem is. I thought, is this a joke? I, it was one of those t moments where you're thinking, is someone filming me? And I go into the kitchen and I get onto the floor because I, I'm kneeling down with my phone on loudspeaker. Then he says, don't put it on loudspeaker. So I said, well, I need to speak to you. So I'm trying to speak to him. And then I put the phone right next to the washing machine. He says, I want you to press a button. It's going to play a tune. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, there's only us know what that means. We've, our systems can detect the tune. We can tell what elements are broken. It will, diag it will diagnose the problem. I thought, wow, things have moved on. I just wanted a new washing machine. And so I put the phone up and do it. And then this young man in another country, miles away, responds and says, ah, yes, we know the problem. You see, all I heard was twinkle, twinkle, little star. He said, I know the problem. You've got X, Y, Z. You need to do this, this, and this. And he tried to fix it over the phone. And I realized something that actually that tune to me meant nothing. But to them, it meant everything. Why? Because they were the manufacturer of the tumble dryer. They were the people who made the thing in the first place. When you have a problem with life, when you have a problem with something in your life and yourself, you need to consult your maker. You need to go back, right back to where you need to call. And the Bible says that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who call upon his name, they put their trust in Jesus Christ. They will be saved. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited. I get excited. Why do I get excited? Because I realize today that when I come to church and I listen to what Jesus wants to tell me about himself through the word of God, that you and me, friends, today, we have a number to call. We have a number to call. And it doesn't cost a penny. It is the biggest gift in the world to you. It's free. You know, when you get in a mobile phone and you, you start a new contract, you're worried about what the contract's going to entail. What, what is this going to entail if I sign up to this thing? Listen to me. It's free. The contract's free. The covenant is free. And you get 24-hour call service and you speak to the boss. 
Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Not you speak to someone else who's a mediator between you and me. You speak to me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad today I know my creator. I'm so glad today that I know Jesus. I am glad. Sorry I'm getting excited. I just do. See, when, when I called up, she said to me, there's one thing I need you to do first. I need you to check the serial code in your machine. There I am frantically trying to find the thing, clearing all the soap off, trying to wipe away and trying to find where things have... And I find the serial code. I give her the serial code. It's when I gave her the serial code, she knew who I was. She said, you live at this address. You registered it on this date. Yes, you are covered. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank God for curries. PC world. When I give them the serial code, they recognize me. By the way, every person on the face of this earth has the opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. You've got to register your serial code. You've got to register yourself with him. Because there's a time coming, it says, when, the, when God will judge the earth. His son will judge us at the end time. And when he does, he'll say, I didn't know you. Why? Because you didn't respond to the message. You didn't respond to the guarantee that was an offer for you. That you could have a free guarantee. The seal of my Holy Spirit upon your life. You didn't respond. You didn't accept it. So I know the serial code. Oh, yes, I know who you are. But I'm sorry. You didn't respond. You didn't respond. King David said, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. The message version, version of the Bible says, God, investigate my life investigate my life. Listen to me, friends today, the biggest thing that you need to do, God knows you by the way inside out. There's nothing he doesn't know, but you need to know him. The title of my message today, in case you didn't know, is knowing me, knowing you, not the Abba song. And I'm not going to sing that. Knowing me, knowing you. God wants you to know him. He is not a God that is distant and far. He is a God that wants you to get into personal relationship with him. And you need to register your guarantee card so you know, you know where you're going. Hallelujah. There's a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 19 of the story of Zacchaeus. And we all remember this in, in, the, in, in, in our Sunday school days, if you went to Sunday school, of the little man who climbed up the tree because he heard Jesus Christ was walking through the town. Why did he climb up? In fact, all the people didn't like him. They thought this man, is a, he robs the people, he's a tax collector, and he climbed up this tree to watch Jesus from a distance. He'd heard the news. This, this person seems to have something unique and special, and I want to see who this person is. Something profound happened when Jesus walked by. In Luke 19, it says, when Jesus reached the spot at the tree, he looked up. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
come down. Zacchaeus, he knew his name and he knew his aim for what he wanted to do in his life. You see, God today, by his Holy Spirit, is stepping through this place. And some of us are in our trees, watching, saying, oh, I can see you, Jesus. But Jesus says, I know you by name, son. I know you by name, daughter. And I call you to me. I want to step into the rooms of your heart. I want to come into your house today so I can be part of your life. I can be part of your life, but you need to step down from your tree. You see, you can't let him in your house unless you get down from your tree. And some of us sometimes, we don't know Jesus because we watch him from afar. And God wants you to step into relationship with him. You see, he never said to him, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I've heard that you've been stealing from people. You're a bad man. You're a tax collector. No one likes you. Get down. I need to deal with your sin. He never said that to him. Because by the way, the story tells us that was his problem. He had lots of conviction, lots of con condemnation that he was stealing from the people. People didn't like him. No wonder he was at the tree. He's a good climber. The worship leader, Ricardo Sanchez, says this. The devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. Zacchaeus. Not Zacchaeus, come, I'm going to talk to you about all your problems. Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. He doesn't shame him. Listen, Jesus does not call you by your name. He doesn't call you by your shame. He calls you by your name. Hallelujah. He calls you today by your name. He's calling someone. I told you. Right on cue. Thank you, Jesus. Do you need to get that? Is it, is it the tumble dry manufacturer? Luke 19 verse 9, Jesus says to Zacchaeus when he has him in the house, he says, today salvation has come to this house. Hallelujah. Do you know what salvation is, friend? Salvation is when you need saving. The Bible tells us that we need a savior. Why? Because all have fallen short of God's glory. Our righteousness, our good deeds are like filthy rags before him. We need a savior. Let me tell you, if you don't know Jesus today, you need a savior. And he said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I'm coming in your house. What happens is Zacchaeus then tells him all the problems. You see, when you get into the presence of Jesus, you just want to confess. You just want to tell him everything. You want to say, Jesus, I am nothing. Thanks for not doing it out there in front of everyone. But I want to tell you I'm nothing. He didn't respond and say, yes, you're right. And I've been wanting to tell you that for years, Zacchaeus. He said, no. Salvation's come to this house. Why? Because he recognized when confession came, the power of God hit that house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I put here that while ever we distance ourselves in places of logical observation, we negate the opportunity for real spiritual transformation. Which tree are you standing in? 
What tree are you putting your, your trust in? What tree in your life are you holding on to and saying, I can see you, Jesus, but I'm hanging on to my tree? Some of us have our trees. Some of us have our security. Some of us have our things that we put our trust in. And Jesus says, I don't want you to stay in that tree of observation. I want you to step down, son. I want you to step down, daughter. Come and know me more. Step into relationships so I can transform you. You'll never see true transformation while ever you stay up there. Hallelujah. Some of us, though, we, we're not ready. No, 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 we're not ready. Have you ever had that time when someone says, I'm coming around to your house, and they pop in, they arrive at the door. You never invited them. It happens in England a lot. They come. Have you ever noticed the first thing that, especially my wife does, is run to the bathroom? Is there something about the bathroom that's the, it's like the holy grail? You have a problem. Someone arrives at the door. And you, you say, it's good to see you, but in the back of your mind, all you're thinking is, is the bathroom okay? You can, and so you invite them in, you say, would you like a cup of tea? And strangely, most of the time, the host will always go to the loo. Why? To sort the house out. I've got an unexpected visitor. Our lives, sometimes we feel are not ready for Jesus to come in. We say, oh, Jesus, it's not time yet. If you come, listen to me, Jesus always comes unexpected. He came up to Zacchaeus and he said, come down immediately, I'm coming to your house. If you thought you were here today for any other reason, Jesus says to you, I've come and invaded your territory. I've come and invaded your life. Why? Because I want to grab your attention to know that you are loved by me. I don't condemn you. I love you. Oh, we've got another call. <laughs> At this moment in time, I'm thinking, have I missed something today? Is this a special day? It is. Jesus wants to be involved in every room of your life. Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, Paul is praying to the Ephesian believers and he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul didn't say, I want you to find this God who I found. I want you to find this God and then everything is just okay. You're satisfied. Listen to me. When you know Jesus, he doesn't leave you in a place of happiness and contentment. He gets you hungry for more. And all you want is more and more and more of him because he is the everlasting one. Paul says, and this is a man who recognized Jesus Christ for who he was. Paul said, I pray you will know him better. And I pray that you'll understand and be enlightened to the hope, the calling in your life. Do you know him today? I've not even started yet. I'll be quick, I promise. Number one is this. God cares about your feelings. He's not a, he's not a God of brick and stone. He's alive. 
And he cares about your feelings, your emotions. He he cares about how you feel inside. Sometimes we think he doesn't care. He doesn't think about these things. Psalm 139, David said this, You know when I sit and when I rise. Wow, he's that observant. He knows when you get up on the morning. He knows when you're lit. He knows all the things we're doing. He says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with not just a few ways, but all my ways. Listen, God can carry every single thing you are doing. He is omnipresent. He knows everything in our lives. And he carries the thoughts think about you. Just gather that. That's amazing. There's only a few people in this room today, but he gathers every thought and he carries them. David said, you're familiar (coughs) with all (coughs) my ways. We're living today in a world of emojis. Does anyone know what an emoji is? I'm getting used to them. My children seem to be using them a lot more. And I I didn't have emojis when I was younger. I remember getting my first phone and I used to text someone. And I'd text them and then I'd get into trouble because they thought I meant thought something else. And people got into this problem where you'd send them a message. They'd receive it and they'd think you were saying something else. Why? Because they never saw the expression on your face when you sent it. Expressions and emotions mean a lot. And you know, sometimes in our lives, what we do is we come to church, we live our lives, and you on the outside look like you're fine. But actually, the truth is, deep down inside, you're not. You can pass off and you can put out as many emojis on your face to tell people who you are and how you feel. But deep down inside, you are rotting away because you are depressed in life. I don't know if that's you today, but I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to speak to some people here today. And by the way, when we preach here, we preach the truth because the Bible says the truth sets us free. Jesus wants to set you free from depression, amen. He can see past your real life emoji. He can see past your real life icon that you put to people and say, this is how I feel. When deep inside you're broken. It means nothing what you've passed off to someone else. Because inside you're saying they don't understand. God does because he carries every thought. He knows everything about you. God loves you. I was in this building the other day and. Some of you may have heard this story, but I want to just share with you what happened. Because God touched someone so powerfully. You see, I believe in Jesus operates through us. And I love to do that. And I was with a gentleman who came here. I'm going to use the name Dave just to disguise him. But he was called Dave. And he came in and he was an engineer here. And he wanted to do some work. And he came as a surprise. I was in my office and I was working away. And when he'd finished the job, he came into my office, walked in. And he passed the papers to me and said, will you sign this off? Because I'm leaving now. And this, this guy, big guy, 
He was in his mid-thirties. Came into my office and I wouldn't have messed with him, put it that way. He was a big man. And I was sat in my chair and I looked at him. And I, inside my heart, I said this, God, I want you to speak to him now and touch him. I want you to touch his life. Because he means more to you than he thinks. You mean, you know, he, you're thinking about this man. He's in your thoughts. The guy said to me, he said, can you sign this? And instead of signing the paper and saying bye, I took the paper and I put it on my desk. And I said this to him, I said, do you work in churches a lot? He said, it's the first church I've ever done a job in. And then I said this to him, I said, have you ever been to church before? He said, only when I was a young boy. I said, do you believe in God? There's another call. They're coming in thick and fast. Oh, wow. I said, do you believe in God? And he said this to me. He said, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in the Quran. I've read lots of books and I don't believe. He says, I know, I've read. And I said this to him. I said, God, I'm not going to try and win a man over knowledge because you need to touch his heart. Because you know him. And so I said to him, I said, I believe that God is real. And I shared my story with him. How my life changed when I recognized who my creator was. When I shared this with him, he stood there and he never said a word to me. And then I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, God, give me something that, is, that you need to speak to him. And the Lord said he's got a problem with his back. And so I responded and I said, you've got a problem with X, Y, Z and it's this particular problem. He looked at me and he said, yes, I have. I said, I want to pray for you. So I take him into the lounge where you've been having your coffee, sit him down and we pray. And God touches his body in front of him, his eyes. God does something so special. But it wasn't enough. I noticed his body got touched. People you see today, I've seen miracles and healings, God touching bodies. But people, they, even, in the, even in the Bible, when they saw the dead raised, they didn't believe. Do you think you need a sign to show you that Jesus is real? You need to be touched in your heart from your manufacturer. So I touched him. And I said, I want to pray now for you. He said, why? I said, because I want to pray God's blessing over you. And so I prayed over him. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said some things that were happening in his life. And so I began to speak over him. And I said, these things have happened when you were younger. And X, Y, Z in your relationships with your family. This is where you're at now. I said, and you feel like giving up on a relationship because you don't want to repeat what happened when you were younger. This man was in his middle 30s. As I was speaking out, and by the way, this is in regards to the prophetic. As I was speaking out, and I knew nothing about the man. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, 14 years old. So immediately I said, you were 14 years old when all of this happened. The moment I said that, this big guy in front of me, holding my hand as I prayed, broke in sheds of tears in front of me. He couldn't stop. I was holding his hand. And I began to pray, and he said this to me after he said this. He said, when you started to say everything, he says, everything you said about me is right. He says, but I thought you were taking a pot in the dark at this. But the moment you said 14 years old, he said, everything that happened happened to me at 14. He said, I'm amazed. 
I can't believe that you would know that. I says, I don't know what happened, but God loves you, Dave. He loves you. See, I recognize something for a moment. That the body can be touched, but the heart is far greater. God touches a heart, it's far greater than a body. He'll show he can touch the body to get your attention, but he needs to touch your heart. He walked up to me after and he said this, he said, I want a Bible. I came upstairs, grabbed a Bible. That guy walked out of this building packed with literature. Why? Not because I had a debate with who's right and who's wrong. But I told him the truth. And I moved in the gifts of the Spirit for God to become real to him. I want to tell you today that God loves you. He knows everything. King David said, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety wears down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. God carries the weights of your thoughts. He really does. I believe that some people here today, maybe you're suffering with anxiety, depression. That guy that day was suffering with lots of stuff. And God hit him right in his heart. Right into the center of his heart. Into his being. There's a word for someone today. Listen, I'm being real with you today. Because Jesus is real. This is not a game. He is real. And he loves you. There is someone in this room, and I felt the Lord speak to me, that you've even been considering suicide. Suicidal thoughts. Listen to me. God loves you. There's a gentleman in here who's been considering that. God loves you. Don't do this. Don't go ahead with it. The enemy comes. It says the the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. Everything that the devil always does is try to bring someone to destruction. Jesus says, I've come to bring life. To bring life. To bring life. To your heart. If you're suffering today with anxiety and heavy burdens, cast your anxieties upon him. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Then it says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to devour. Just after he said, cast your anxieties. Why? Because your anxieties will bring you to a place where the enemy uses them to bring you to destruction. Don't take it. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. He's ready and waiting. His eyes are watching over His creation to say, I'm ready to strengthen you, son. I'm ready to strengthen you, daughter. But you need to be committed to me. You've got to get down from your tree of observation If you want to be free and get transformation, come to me. Number two, God cares about your frailties. He doesn't just care about your feelings. He cares about your frailties. There are people here today with sickness in their body. When I prayed for that young man, he was touched by the power of God. And it touched his body. But the thing that got him was his heart. But let me tell you, God loves you and he loves your body too. And he made you. If you want to know what your problems are, seek 
your maker. See, where you're saying, well, there's, there's problems in the world now. Why isn't God sorting all the problems out? Well, let me tell you something. There are problems in my life. I have pains. I have difficulties because we're living in a world of sin. And while ever we live in this world of sin, we're going to see death. We're going to see these things happen. The Bible says it's appointed to everyone to die. So you're going to die. You're going to get sicknesses. But thank God for Jesus Christ that he came into the world and that there is power in his name to set the captive free to heal the brokenhearted and to heal sickness and disease. Hallelujah. I don't want to talk about the problems where there's no healing. I want to talk about what Jesus Christ is doing. You see, Jesus, when he touched people and he prayed for them and he commanded sickness to go, what did he say? He says, your faith has healed you. You see, when faith comes together with Jesus, you've got to come with faith. There's so many times I've seen people come to me and they say, I want prayer for something, but there is no faith. You see, you recognize, by the way, we, we don't whip up an atmosphere here. When you have faith in Jesus Christ and you come to him, it's your faith that connects with heaven. It's the currency of heaven. When you operate in faith, God comes in. Hallelujah. I was in the room downstairs with Joe just a few days ago. A lady walks in. She says, I've got a big lump on my, on my foot. I can't walk in these boots. Fluid build up on the foot. She took a sock off. We said, what's the problem? She said, this lump, it's pressing. I said, watch this. Jesus will reduce the lump. By the way, I didn't have much faith, but the Bible says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it's big enough. Amen. Glad as well. <laughs> mine's, pretty, mine's pretty small, actually. But I, I went up, and, I, and Joe was there with me, and we put our hand upon this problem, and I commanded, I said, Lump go down now in Jesus' name. Took my hand off and she thought I was going to do a long prayer. She looked at me. I said, check it. She checked it. The first thing she said after the first prayer is this. It's gone down. She said, it's not fully gone. Are you a healer? I said, no, Jesus is. But we believe the Bible says we lay our hands on the sick and they recover. So I put my hand on again. I goes, watch this. It'll go down again. And I took my hand away. And she kept saying, it's flatter. When I walked in here, it was bigger than this. She was amazed. But do you know what? When we prayed for her, I believe she had faith. There was a faith connection going on. And I knew God was going to do something. Amen. He cares about your frailties. 139, Psalm 139 verse 13 says, David says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. See, when you recognize the creator who makes your body, you know the number to call. When you know who made you, you better get the right manufacturer. Because I've sometimes phoned some companies and they said, you ain't got a guarantee with us. In fact, you never bought anything from us. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, wrong number. I want to tell you, some people in this world are barking up the wrong tree and they're ringing the wrong numbers. They're ringing the wrong numbers. Why? I've seen in the last 15 years of my life, 
Jesus Christ shine through my life, showing me that he is the healer he says he is. He is the one who sets me free and that he could take me from a place of feeling low in my life and lift me again. See, when you experience that, you want to tell people about it. Some people, though, think, ah, God, it's not his nature to heal. It's not his will. He lets people have pain. That's rubbish. God does not give people pain. He does not want you to be sick in your body. It's his nature to heal. He says, I am the God that healeth thee. We just got to come to him in faith and receive. John G. Lake, the late healing evangelist, said this, Jesus did not heal the sick in order to coax them to be Christians. He healed, the, he healed because it was his nature to heal. His nature is to restore. His nature is to refine. His nature is to bring you back to where you should be. Hallelujah. See, I've had people come to me and I can tell when they don't really want the healing. I prayed for a gentleman several years ago and he had a, a blurred vision on one side of his eye, on, on both his eyes, but one particular side was bad. I prayed for him and the vision started to clear up. He was so shocked. He said to me, that's amazing. I said, can I pray for the other eye now? And he says, I don't want you to. And the more I chatted to him, I realized by the end of the conversation, he said this to me. He said, if you pray for the other eye and it gets better, he said, I won't receive benefits. His benefits were more valuable to him than Jesus. Healing. He said that to me in this room. He said, I, I don't want you to because I'm scared that if it's so clear, I'll have to be honest and I'll lose the money. Listen to me. He knows your body. He knows your problem right now. And if there is sickness in this room, if you've got pain in your body right now, I want you to put your hand on that part of the body right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command healing right now to flow into every single body. That by faith, as they put their hand there, receive healing in Jesus' name. All pain go now in Jesus' name. Maybe at the end we're going to find out people say something's happened. But God can heal you. He knows your body. See, Jesus, when he saw in Mark chapter 2, the guys lowering a man through the roof, this famous story, the paralytic gets lowered through. The first thing Jesus says is this. He sees a paralyzed man lowered through the roof. He looks at him and he doesn't say, watch this, I can heal the body. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. In other words, your heart is more valuable than your paralysis. Your heart is more important to me than what you think. And you think your problem is paralysis of your body. You think you've been lowered through a roof because that's your major problem in life. But I'm telling you, before I deal with your body in front of all the teachers of the law, in that room as Jesus was speaking, he said this, son, your sins are forgiven. I bet he thought, wait a minute, I didn't come in for that. I mean, if it had been me, I'd have turned around and said, hang on a sec, we've come in because I'm paralyzed. I didn't come here for you to tell me my sins are forgiven. 
Even then, he says, the teachers of the law said, how can he do that? He's blaspheming. You can't say your sins are forgiven. Then in verse 8, it says this in Mark 2, immediately, Jesus knew. What does that tell you? That Jesus knows what you're thinking. Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? He said to the teachers of the law. Which is easier for me to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. In other words, he was saying, I've got two options. You're thinking that I can't do this. It's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven than it is to say, get up from the mat. But to show you that I am who I say I am. And that I can sit, forgive this man of sin. Get up and walk, he said. Instantly the man stood up and walked right out of that building. You see, what it shows us there is that Jesus knows our bodies and our hearts. He knows our minds and what we're thinking. He is our creator. Hallelujah. And finally, God cares about your future. He cares about your feelings. He cares about your frailties. But he cares about your future. Psalm 139 verse 16, King David declared, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We heard that in the song earlier. I love this because why? David says something profound. He says, your eyes, God, saw my unformed body. Well, I don't know if you can work that one out, but if you're not here, how can he see anything? What I love about the Bible is that even written all those years ago, it declares science of today. See, the science of today is that we know that we are made up of just DNA. A code. And I believe that God said right then and revealed to King David, before you were born, I knew your code. I knew what you were going to look like before the code came into being. Science works with religion. It doesn't, it, religion does not eradicate it. Because God was saying right into his heart, I knew your code. I knew your DNA. I knew what you were going to look like before you came into being. Because I am before. I am after. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, Revelation 22, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. <laughs> You want to know who's outside your time and space because that's what you're constrained by. It's God. He is the creator. He's outside of our time and space. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He's the end. He knows everything about you. And if he knows your past before you were even formed in your body, he knows your future. You better partner with him then to know your future. You better partner with him on what God knows about you. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all love it, says, For I know the plans I have for you, he says to Jeremiah. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. You see, God is interested in your past, but he's more interested in your future. 
You saw my unformed body, he says. You recognize my genetic code. You knew before I existed who I was. I recognize that you're the beginning and the end. Colossians 1.17, Paul says this. He is before all things. And in him, all things are held together. That's Jesus he's referring to. He says, you were before all things. And in you, all things are held together. God has unique plans, friends, for your lives. You can either partner with them or you can leave them. Zacchaeus stepped down from his tree, went into his home. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but Jesus invited himself. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, would you mind at some point sending me an email and inviting me? He said, I must come to your house. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Today. I must come into your life, Jesus says today. I must come into your house of your life. I must, I must, I must. I want to come in and transform you. And what happens then? Zacchaeus confesses his sin and he is changed and his future is changed. He must have left that house paying everyone's debt back like he said he was going to do and his life is transformed. Listen, when God gets hold of you, he he deals with your past, but then he leads you into a new future and he takes control of your life into your future. You've got to give the driving seat to him. He's interested in your future. God wanted to say something. Why? Because he's our creator. He is the one who knows your beginning and your end. He has written your days in his book before any one of them came to be. You can either partner with him or you can leave him. And I want to welcome you today to partner with Jesus. In James chapter 4, and I read this to finish. And as the worship just begins now, we're going to finish. In James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15, James says this, Now you, now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go do this or that and go to this city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live here. We will live and do this or that. You can either choose to go in your plans, your ambitions, or His. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.